Same pattern, Tiki Barber and Brian Dawkins level. That ball went out of here off the top of the wall. Chipper Jones just won the ball game. It's a hometown hero podcast brought to you by Lockett Law. No, before you blow, Dan Hick and Denny Thompson. Denny, how are you? I'm fantastic, Dan. Yeah. You want to introduce our guest today? Sure. All right. Sure, is like a legend here. He is. He's like one of the most popular players during the golden year. Yeah. Years, three years. Yes. Maybe four. Of four years. football. Four years. Yeah, because now you got to count 95. Oh, well, I count I mean, 96, 90... 97, 98, 99. Okay. That's right. four years. All right, there you go. Then we'll say five, because you gotta count ninety five. Ninety five was, was fun, yeah. yeah it was Didn't fun. matter the record in ninety five. But perhaps the most popular kicker in the league at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Mike yeah. Hollis. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm I'm great. How are you guys doing? That was a that was a pretty good was intro. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fabulous intro. Yeah. yeah. Calls yeah. you the most popular kicker in the league? Well, he's definitely the most popular kicker in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, well, no one really knew about the Jaguars back then. They're like, who's this? Who's this franchise team? What the heck? You know. So yeah. I, I don't know if I had that popularity because I wasn't. You know, the Jaguars are brand new, and said, nobody who, really knew about us. They said, "Who's this kicker?" Too. Yeah. Who's this no, guy. I mean, he was the only one scoring points for us. You know. First. You know who he. You know who he. I think you know who he beat out for the job, right? Way back when. Uh, Georgia Tech guy, right? Yeah, Scott Misson Sisson. Yes. There you go. <laughs> 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 who was drafted, right? Yeah, right? The Patriots. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He was drafted the Patriots in, I think, like 93 or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. And your story is great. Tell us a little bit about, you know, Mike went to, I believe, Idaho. No, Utaho uh, College. The Vandals. If I'm not mistaken. And, you know, like hitchhiked across America and found his way to Jacksonville. And uh, the rest is history. Right, Mike? Yeah, yeah, I, I you know what I don't know where that hitchhiking story came from, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> it gets better with the years. Just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. It must be just the distance. Like why why in the world like come all the way from Washington State to to Florida and play football? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because they had an opportunity, right? Right. Yeah, of course. It was it was a great opportunity. I I was with the Chargers in '94 in preseason, and uh, John Carney was a kicker then. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, four or five years in the league at that time anyway. So I, I admired him just because he was a veteran. And mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, when I came in there, I was, I was just a camp leg. It was an opportunity for me to get in. And it's funny because Bobby Bethard, the general manager, pulled me in after a workout and said, you know, we really like you. We think you're really good. We want to sign you, but we don't have any money. And I was like, and? <laughs> I don't care. Sign me. I, I could care less. I know right. it's going to be a camp leg, so no big deal. But what he meant was he didn't have any money to for like signing bonus. And I'm like, afterwards he told me that I'm like, Oh, well that's irrelevant too. You know, it's like, I didn't have any leverage. I'm just a, uh, a first year kicker, a rookie kicker essentially at that point. And, uh, came in and competed really well against John. And, and, and they told me a year later, cause they invited me to come back to Jack or to uh, San Diego. And that was the whole story. But with Jacksonville, I had an opportunity to go back to the chargers again. Now, mind you, John Carney had gone to the Pro Bowl that year. Right. Um, and if John was on this interview, he'd say that I pushed him so well that I made him a better There you go. Now you're talking. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. He, he would tell you that. 
And um, I essentially, you know, after I got released from the Chargers and, and went back to school, and another long story short, um, I was I was invited. Well, I was told by Bobby Bethard and my agent at the time that the you know the World League was picking up again at that time, and I was going to get drafted. Okay, so they said don't don't enroll in school again because you're going to get drafted. We're going to put put you in the in the uh, World League draft, and you're going to you're going to picked up. And that draft came and went, and I did not get drafted. So I was like, okay, great, wonderful. But it gave me an opportunity to work out for some teams that came through Idaho and were looking at some other team, other players. And I just happened to be at the other end of the field kicking, which is exactly what happened to the Jaguars because my buddy Eddie Howard, who was a punter from Idaho, um, who played at Idaho, he told me the Jaguars are coming in to look at him. And I said, okay, great, I'm going to be on the other end of the field kicking while you're working out. And uh, as soon as he was done with his workout, I went over and introduced myself to the scout, which was Rick Mueller. Ah. And um, right. And um, got an opportunity to, to you know, to, to tell him who I was. And he, he said, yeah, I noticed you. I, I heard your kicks is what he said. And, you know, it's good because it means I was kicking the ball real well. But um, ultimately, you know, that that fast forward, I had an opportunity, obviously, with Jacksonville. But the San Diego Chargers wanted me to come back. And um, I was like, well, hey, you know, can you give me a couple of weeks? Because the Jacksonville, the Jaguars have expressed an interest and that's definitely a better opportunity for me not thinking that scott was was any you know worse than john carney sure. john had just gone to the pro bowl and and it was just a better opportunity for me clearly and um and uh luckily they gave me you know the time and um jaguars were kind of um dragging their feet a little bit and i had told my family on a sunday night that on monday morning that i'm gonna call it the chargers and say you know i'll come back and i'll sign with the chargers again because the jaguars aren't giving me any answers that Monday morning, the sign from God is just crazy, you know. That Monday morning, I get a call from the Jaguars saying, we want to fly you in. Tom Coffin wants to see you kick in, you know, firsthand in, in person. Because I already worked out for Rick Mueller in, in Washington State after that, or before, prior to that. So mm-hmm. um, they flew me in and, and, uh, and signed me. So the rest is history. We, had, we started this Hometown Heroes thing with Tom Coughlin. So we did uh, mm-hmm. a two-part show with him. And it's interesting how many stories are like that from that first team because the Mark Brunel story is similar. It's like handpicked every guy, you know. Right. Like wasn't necessarily looking for the guy, somehow found him, ended up signing him, that type of thing. I mean, with Brunel, I think traded for him, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, just talk about the collection of guys that were on those original JAG teams and how really it was just a collection of kind of misfits, right? I mean, for the most part. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I remember from back in the days of, you know, Brant Boyer and guys like that being around just a fun group of guys, though. Right. Absolutely. And I, it's a great question, because that's that's really what I like to share with people. Um, you know, when they ask the question, why, how are you, why are you guys so good back in the day? And that's that's the number one thing I come up with. The first thing I say is like, you know what? Tom Coffin was extremely good at finding team players. He, he looked for the humble guy that wants to win, you know, for his team, mm-hmm. um, not the selfish guy that's, you know, the, the greatest athlete. You know, he, he found guys that were, were good athletes, great, you know, great athletes, um, not the best, maybe, but good enough. But but more so, I think he's looking at the heart. He wanted to find guys that that were in it to win and in it, you know, to to to, you know, um, compete in it to, you know, uh, be accountable to their teammates and 
humble guys, and that's what we had. We had a locker room full of uh, really, really outstanding guys that were very humble and and very, you know, team oriented. Um, you know, and, and Tom was real strict, and, and that was one of the things we we had some team, you know, player only team meetings after you know Tom and leave the team, you know, the official team meeting. Uh, a guy like Jeff Logman would kind of line this up. He'd say, you know, Jeff would talk to Tom and say, hey, Tom, you know, after our team meeting, we're gonna, you know, you guys, all the coaches leave, we're gonna have a little, you know, players only team meeting. And Tom was all about that. He wanted that. He wanted that that kind of team meeting. Now he didn't know what we talked about, <laughs> but, but he definitely liked that. Uh, we that hate that guy. <laughs> it showed leadership and it showed that it wasn't that bad. It was more like, you know, the guy, we all, Hey guys, you know, we all understand he, you know, he's, he's, he's tough and, and he's disciplined and he, he he's not going to, you know, some of the stuff is crazy. You know, I get that, you know, but guys, you can't be going out on a Friday night, partying on a Friday night, showing up, walk through on Saturday morning, hungover, smelling like alcohol, you know, and stuff like that. It wasn't like we always did it or that, you know, guys always did it, but you know, we, 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 we held accountability meetings essentially. And, and, and guys like Jeff Logaman and, and uh, Joel Schmingy and, you know, even you know, throw Baselli and throw Bernal in that mix. Um, or team leaders. There were those guys that like, you know, put it straight to the guys. Hey, listen, Tom's the coach. He's going to call the shots, but you know what? Let's win games for us. You know, think about us as a team, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Boss, he's going to make the, the decisions and the, and the call the plays this and that, but, Let's let's just win for us, you know, and we and we did, and and I think that was one of the biggest reasons why we were so successful. So, what is it about Jacksonville and kickers? Like, is there something that we're missing about airflow in the stadium? Is there because when you look at the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars, have, have that's where exactly we shine. That is, like, yeah. it's been the consistent. Yeah, you go from Hollis to Scobie to now Lambo. Yeah, I, Mike, you were like the most accurate field goal kicker in the history of the NFL at one time, right? And then I think mm-hmm. Scobie had that as well at one time. Lambeau has not missed in I don't know when. I don't know if he's ever missed at home or whatever. He's had some incredible streak. You all have been yeah, so – it's, it, 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 it's great, but it frustrates me, Hollis. And I say this with all due respect, and I've told this to every kick all, – all you great kickers. Uh, I don't want you to be the most popular player on our team. I don't want you to be the best player on our team because that usually means no disrespect. Again, our team sucks. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but, but but seriously, what is – is there something about kicking in Jacksonville or is it just a really good run of kickers that the Jags have had? I, I think it's a little bit of both of, of that. I think, you know, kicking in Florida is, is good. You know, it's good for a kicker to be, you know, in warmer temperatures. You know, the, the humid air, you're, you're more flexible, you're fluid. Um, you know, the ball does travel more in, in warmer climates. Um you know, so so there's that part of it, but we just, you know, I think that you know, drafting Scobie out of college, you know, back in what it, whatever 2002 or three, I think it was 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, obviously Scobie did did very well, and then, and then you know, we had a little bit of a hiccup. Actually, we had a hiccup before Scobie. The year I was in Buffalo, mm-hmm. I think the Jaguars went through four kickers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Was, was I laughing a little bit under my breath? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm hey. kidding. You know, it was. It was tough to see that, but, you know, and then after Scobie left, you know, trying to, and then with Jason Myers, people don't think that, you know, Jason Myers was a good kicker. Yeah. Clearly, after he left here, he went to the Pro Bowl and all that with the Jets and all that. Now he's with the uh, Seahawks. Um, Jason was a good kicker. I think he struggled mentally with his extra points, and I think that was his demise here in Jacksonville. But once he got over that little hump with that whole new rule with the, with the um, 
the extra point, which I think is a pretty legit rule. Uh, a fact that that the mindset I think is really where guys struggle. They 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 kicked the extra points early on when they made that rule change. They kicked them very carefully, not to miss because they didn't want a, a, a stat that said they missed an extra point. So they kicked it carefully. But if they went on to kick a 33-yard field goal in the middle of the game, no problem. Yeah, I got this, no problem. But when they're kicking an extra point from 33 yards, got they in their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, That's Hollis, all about the stat book. What I saw you kick. How long was that kick you made in the preseason in St. Louis? 59. I saw Hollis make a 59-yarder. Um, but I'm curious, in your entire career, what is your favorite uh, kick that you ever made? What is your favorite field goal? Well, that, that 59-yarder was kind of a, a mental you know, game-changer for me. Mm-hmm. I had missed two field goals prior to that. It was my second training camp with the Chargers. It was in you know the middle of, of training camp, middle of preseason. Mm-hmm. And if I missed that kick, I don't even know if I would have stayed with the Jaguars. That would have been three in a row for me, and that was kind of a make-or-break kick for me. So wow. That one there is very special in that, in that sure. league because it was my longest. It, you, know, you won't see it on a stat, stat books because it's in preseason, but right. that was officially my longest ever you know, in a game. So that, for that reason, that was one of my favorites. Plus, obviously, it was, it was that, that game changer of thinking, well, now, if I can make this, you know, and, and, I, and I made it, and that was just a confidence booster for me. Mm-hmm. And then that season, 96, I think I was 30 or 36 on field goals um, that year. So I had a really good year that year. Um, and, you know, that one in the, in the, in the Buffalo one, the, the 45-yarder, yeah. you know, the upright. Sure. And bounced through. That was just kind of a momentum, you know, thing. And that and, and, and was a game winner, of course, um, with, a, I guess, a minute and 20 or something left in the game. But that really was the, the, the run that we, that was the beginning of our, of our playoff run, uh, obviously with winning that game and then going into uh, uh, Denver and, and, uh, and speaking of the game you were referring to earlier, that was that, that game in Denver yeah. we knocked off the Broncos. 30 to 27, both games, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. uh, were the final score in Hollis. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was a fun ride, man. It was great being there uh, in Buffalo and that it was uh gosh, we were, the, the locker room was tight and it was all, you know, it was cold. And then, you know, television wise, the cameras were fogging up and it's great stuff. But Hollis making that kick was, it was great stuff. Man. That great whole theater. year, that like that whole year will never be. No, replicated. you can't, you, you can't, can't. be it. The only, the only Mike, and I'll get your comment. The only, the only part that we took it for granted a little bit too much. Oh, no doubt. We didn't enjoy the ride as much as we should have not knowing because we were so new and it was so new to us. Yeah. This one, this ain't that hard. Well, I mean, but even but even the circumstances around it, I remember the Seattle Sunday night game, the Morgan yeah. Anderson missed kick. Yeah. And then, like Mike said, you know, hitting one off the upright uh, to go in against Buffalo and then uh, and then the uh, Denver game and then what they came home to in Denver. Yeah. Like, so it, you fun. know, all of yeah. that, like you just that's that's made for TV stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you couldn't script it any better yeah. than that. Yeah. How, how much fun was that to that, be that. in the middle of that? Oh, it was amazing, and 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 people love to hear those stories, you know, of, of us flying over the stadium and looking out the window, and you could literally see all forty thousand or however many people were in the stadium, right. at twenty thousand, whatever it was. But there's a lot of people. Um, you could see them. You could see their arms kind of just you know, the roof touching. And it was it was awesome for us to to look down and see that. And then you get down on the ground, and then you see all the people alongside the roads with their signs. This is like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, something like that. It was insane. There's hundreds and thousands of people out there. Well, to Dan's point, did you think at that point, hey, man, this is kind of easy. Like, to Dan's point, like, as fans, we were like, okay. Because at at that time, Miami, Florida State, Florida all winning. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, okay, well, we got Jacksonville. We got Jags. Now they're winning. 
What was the what was the thought process in a young player? A young of, team? Yeah. yeah. Was it like, oh, well, we can do this every year? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, not really. Not in my sense. You know, I'm, you know, obviously as a kicker, you treat every game as a, as a new game, you know, and, and everyone really should, any player on the team. But sure. as a kicker, you, you're starting over. Every, every week you're starting over. So you can't look in last week and see how great you did last week and carry that into this week. You got to forget about last week, whether it was good or bad. And then focus on a brand new week this week. Um, you know, every 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 game we played um, towards the end of that season, and then clearly in the playoffs, we were always underdogs. We were always we were never expected to win. You know what? The underlying, and we've done these hometown hero podcasts. Mike Hollis is our guest. Brought to you by Locket Law. Know before you blow. But there's an underlying current, Denny and Mike, with all all you guys that we bring on. And there's a there's a you know every at every level. They all faced adversity, no, no, but no, there's no. some characteristic in all these guys who, you know, have been able to overcome and achieve their dream. Mike, I'm curious, where did that come from with you? Just the, the fact that I was, I was under underdog. I was a short guy and I had to prove myself to uh-huh. everybody. You know, even Tom Coughlin. Sure. That's why I had to work out for those guys twice. The Jaguars twice. I Rick Mueller. We met Rick. We actually basically had to talk him into working me out the first time. Right. So I, I drove with Jim, my, my, my coach, Jim Gatano, and I drove. And then we were from Spokane, of course, both grew up there. We drove from Spokane to Tri-Cities areas, right in the middle of Washington State. And mm-hmm. Rick Mueller was in Seattle. So we drove from Seattle. So we met halfway. Mm-hmm. Really good workout there. And even that wasn't enough to convince him to even, you know, bring me in for whatever. But um, then, you know, fast forward about a month, and that's that's when, you know, they, they'd gone through all the other guys that they thought were good enough and bigger guys, of course, because that's what Tom wanted. Right. And then when they said, you know, Mike, is, he's a good guy. You might want to, you know, they finally convinced Tom to say, you know, let's bring the guy in and look at him. And they flew me in. I was the only guy they flew in, which that as a kicker and when you're going to workouts, that's a good sign because, that means that they just want to see you and only you. They don't want to see anybody else, and you know they don't really care if you're competing against anybody. They just want to see how you kick. And I knew that it kind of puts a little pressure on you a little bit, but I knew that you know, hey, they're only flying me, and that's that's a good that's a good sign. Well, I had a really good workout event, of course, and that's when they signed me. But Tom Coughlin, he thought I was too short. They wanted to look for a bigger kicker because they felt like a bigger kicker would be better. And I'm like, why in the world does it matter? I kick like I'm six four. Why would it matter that I'm five eight? You know? You know what I appreciate about Mike, and we could go on and on and sure. on because Mike and I have a very long and fun history. Oh, um, tell us yeah. more. Uh, no, we that's a different <laughs> podcast. Um, well, quick, Mike actually w- was the one that threw my bachelor party. Wow. Yeah. yeah people may not know that. <laughs> what happened at Mike's the bachelor party? Mason was actually our ring bearer. Um, so, no, great. Good. Well, again, different podcast. <laughs> But the thing that I maybe always, have them on the sports den and talk yeah, about that. Yeah, there. I think we've actually done that. Uh, <laughs> but the thing I've always appreciated about Mike is he mentioned his coach uh-huh. uh, Jim, who is Tom Selleck's yeah. stunt double, or was back in the day. I don't know about now. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh-huh. They they are so behind the science of kicking, right? That they're still doing this. Like Mike is still yep. going around the country training mm-hmm. like some of the top kickers in the country now. So when Mike's telling the story about size and all that kind of stuff, like Mike got by on knowing the science behind it. And and in a lot of ways, like you weren't a traditional kicker mechanically, but it's become more to what you were doing back then these days, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, 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 
the classic example is you think about golf. Golf has been around a million years, and you know, uh, you know, fifty years ago, golfers were swinging the club a certain way. All of them weren't right. Well, they've kind of evolved, and there's there's so many golfers out there. The, the market ranges from you know two years old to 102 years old, um, male, female. You know, there, there's such a wide variety of golfers out there, and they all want to be the best golfer, right? So there's a certain technique that has evolved to be the best technique. Kicking is way beyond the behind that. It's, it's, it's so far behind that we're not even close yet, but mm. that's what we're trying to do is implement this, this proper way of kicking. And I'm very biased. I'm very prideful of the way we coach and what we coach. Right. And I can tell you right now, the things that we teach are the best way to kick a football. There's no other way to kick the best that you, whatever your athletic ability is, whatever your size is, mm-hmm. no matter how strong you are, how fast you are, whatever, it doesn't really matter. You can reach the highest potential that you specifically can get to using the stuff we teach. No other way will do it for you. I can kick it from 20, Mike. I can't. Straight on, though. Straight on, guy. We tried. We tried. Mike actually trained me for a a contest that I got my name drawn for for $25,000. Yes. I was terrible. Are you going to share that story? How far did you have to make it? It was 25 yards. I mean, 25-yard kick, you get 20000 bucks. Yeah, I wasn't even close. You couldn't hit it? No, I wasn't even close. It, like, I, it, it wasn't even re- – Damn it, man. Did I you try am, soccer style or straight on? I don't know what I tried. You I got to punch it. Just punch it up there. I kind of made it in between. It was kind of like I told him to do soccer style. I told him the things to do, and then when he kicked it, he kind of did it in between soccer style and punch. I am to kicking yes. what my man Mike is to golf. Did you hold in uh, high school? Mike can talk about <laughs> the golfing yeah. like stuff. The the kicking did not translate to Hollis's <laughs> golf game. <laughs> hey Mike, uh, before we let you run, I got to ask you one more thing. Uh, you yes, said sir. you said you know a little chip on your shoulder about the height and stuff, but you were a thick guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious. You played in the NFL for seven years, eight years. Surely there's one time where you got your ass knocked out on a kickoff. You already know this one. I do. Yes, you go ahead, Mike. Tell me. Well, I, well, I maybe the listener done. What are you talking about? You're going to tell me you brought Herschel Walker down gracefully? Well, I didn't get knocked out when I brought him down. I grabbed one of his huge thighs and I held on for two nights. No, I want to know one where you got maybe knocked into another row or where you maybe didn't know where you were or was there any one of those that ever occurred? Well, Mel Gray gave me a nice thigh to my head one time. Okay. Mm. That hurt. Mm. I saw stars on that one. But there was nothing like a Brian Mormon moment. Oh, no, 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 that's the best. That and uh, his buddy Barker with the broken nose on Thanksgiving. That was a beauty. Yeah. That was a beauty. But the Herschel Walker left some rug burns, right? Yeah, I got a scar on my forearm to to prove it. I should get it tattooed, you know, HW or something. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. That's a solid idea. (laughs) Hey, we could talk to you all day, man. That's great stuff. And we appreciate you being part of our Hometown Heroes podcast brought to you by Locket Law. Know before you blow. He's uh, Mike Hollis, and he's got some good stories, huh? Yeah, we we definitely could do like a two-hour deal with this thing. Plenty more. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't even touch any of them. No, no. Maybe, Maybe that, you know what? Mike, let's just do that. Let's we'll 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 line that up. Me, you, and Big Game James. You got to get them in uncensored. Yeah, yeah uncensored. We'll uncensored. do that. Here we go. All right, Mikey, appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys, take care. All right, there he goes, Mike Hollis. Uh, this has been the Hometown Heroes podcast. Dan Hick and Denny Thompson, and thank you to Lock and Law. And before you blow, Denny, we'll talk to you next week. All righty.